You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities, and though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week we are not doing two issues, we're doing one issue. How about that? Ooh, bet you didn't think you were going to get a a, a one-issue episode. Limited Collector's Edition number C-55, The Legion of Superheroes. The Millennium Massacre. Published March 1978. Written by Paul Levitz with art by Mike Grail and James Sherman. Synopsis. A wedding brings all the Legionnaires together, but only Superboy realizes something is terribly wrong with the future. This is a very special Legion Clubhouse, Matthew. It's the 20th anniversary of the Legion. It's hard to believe that in the course of us doing the show for, what, three years now or however many years it's been, Mm -hmm. that uh, we have covered 20 years of the Legion. And just sitting there thinking about, wow, all the way back to 1958, it doesn't seem that long ago. But if you go back and think about how many changes the Legion has gone through, all the new additions they've gone through, the creators and the artists that have uh, come and gone in this series, that's a lot in 20 years. You, we think that that comics changes like every two years. Uh, man, back in the day, it used to change like every 20 years. <laughs> well, it's important to note that, you know, the book wasn't continuously published for those first 20 years. So the next 20 years are going to take us an awful lot longer. Uh, but, yeah, it is interesting that what are we on? We're on episode 89. Yeah. So we haven't even broken 100 episodes at two appearances, you know, barring, of course, the weird cameos and things and throwing in that one where the president died. But I feel like it's interesting that we got to it this quickly because when we started this, I'm like, if we get to the the what they call that damned tabloid, I feel like the show will will be a success. I didn't know if we would. I hoped we would because this is actually this is probably the first Legion book that I ever read. Mm, okay. This is this is a book that my cousin who introduced me to comics. 
uh, actually had. He had bought off the stands in 1978. And of course, uh, the tabloid size books are basically as wide as a standard comic book is tall mm -hmm. and then double sized. Yeah. So, so I about remember the size of a, giant at the time, a, a Time Life magazine or a Premier magazine or, you know, kids, they used to have these things where they used to put news stories and articles, things, you know, you'd find on the Internet yeah. and they put them in paper and bind them and then sell them to people. I know. Weird, <laughs> it right? Was, it was like the Internet printed on a tree. Um, but uh, this one's actually interesting because, first of all, they call it everyone calls it that damn tabloid. Why is the that? I've never called it that. I've called it the, the limited collector's edition C-55, the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, first of all, have you ever tried to find Limited Collector's Edition number C-55? No, because or, I really don't care. Exactly. Have you ever tried to sell Limited Collector's Edition C-55, colon, the Legion of Superheroes? No, because I don't have no. a copy. So that would mean that I'd have to have either bought the original issue or gone and tried to track it down, both of which I said I haven't done and I don't care right. about. Well, here's the thing. As someone who has both tried to buy, tried to sell tried to list online and tried to look up information about limited collector's edition number C-55 colon the Legion of Superheroes. It is a horrific mess because limited collector's edition, this is issue 55 of limited collector's edition, but limited collector's edition actually has four different titles. It's also known as the, uh, excuse me, excuse me, the treasury size, but it's also known as famous first edition all new collector's edition and DC special series. So wasn't throughout the, the run, wasn't the Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Wasn't that also a treasury sized edition? Yes, it was actually part of this run. Sort of kinda. Um, the thing of it is again, you know how the name changed a lot when you get to the point where it was all new collector's edition, which would have been 78 would have been actually the issue after this one. C 56 is Superman versus Muhammad Ali. But there's also a run, you may have seen these in the comics, of famous first editions, yeah, mm -hmm. which were oversized, perfect reprints of Action Number 1, yeah. Detective 27, Wiz Number 2, Sensation yeah. 1, basically all these first appearances. And they were printed exactly cover to cover, except for the fact that they were oversized. And so some people in the 70s and 80s actually got hosed into thinking that they were buying an original copy when they actually were buying famous first edition from 1974, which then became all new collector's edition, which became limited collector's edition, which then again became all new collector's edition. It's, it's a whole schmageggy, but Legion of superheroes number C 55, whatever you want to call it is actually the tail end. It's near the end of DC's flirtation with the tabloids. There are only a few more after this, and by 81, with Batman versus the Incredible Hulk, the second DC Marvel crossover, limited collector's edition slash blah bitty blah bitty, all those other things kind of goes away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we will put all of that aside for now. Yeah. So we can get to the, to the meat of this issue, which I think one of the most impressive things in this is that in the opening pages, this is 1978. This is March yes. 1978. And this is really important because it opens with a small town on uh, just inside the eastern seaboard. And, you know, we have had many discussions in the past on the location of Smallville. What's interesting is, at this point in time, Smallville is in one of two places. It's either in Pennsylvania, 
which is uh, outlined in uh, Legion of Superheroes number 313 from July of 19, what is that, 84. Mm-hmm. Or if you picked up The Amazing World of DC Comics number 14 in 1977, the year before, it lists Smallville in Maryland uh, outside of where Metropolis and Gotham City are, one on either side of Delaware Bay. So one in Maryland, one in uh, New Jersey, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So that is really interesting because at this point in March of 1978, we can still find Smallville in some eastern seaboard town. Hasn't even moved to Ohio. But what's amazing is by the end of this year, by the end of 1978, everyone in the world will know that uh, Superboy and, and, and is from Smallville, Kansas. Yes, and this is to because Superman the movie. Yeah, because Superman the movie opened at the end of 1978, and one of the things that John Ford did in this movie, it wasn't John Ford directing this, sorry, uh, but one <laughs> of the things that is in this is a license plate in Smallville as Pa is driving the car, uh, mm-hmm. where we can actually see that uh, it's a Kansas license tag, and the Kansas license tag says Ford County, which would mm-hmm. put it in southwest Kansas. Um, So I think that this is amazing that this is one of the very last times that we will get to see Smallville listed as an East Coast city. And Mm -hmm. by the end of this year, forever and from from all time, Smallville will be located in Kansas somewhere, whether that be north of Wichita, south of uh, Manhattan, Kansas, near Osage uh, County, uh, Kansas, uh, down uh, by uh, um, uh, Dodge City and Garden City, or even somewhere between Abilene and uh, in Hayes, Kansas. So uh, yep. it's somewhere in Kansas. We don't know. But uh, that's the most interesting thing that I took away from this entire issue. Yeah. The thing that's really great about it is that when you think about you know pre-1977 uh smallville much like it is on the smallville tv show was within visible distance of mm-hmm. metropolis yeah so you know when they actually started doing that in the smallville tv show first of all none of those people have ever seen kansas but second of oh, all yeah, they the mount- actually- you've never seen the mountains of kansas the yeah, snow-capped sure. mountains of kansas but, you know, I always loved the D.C. Atlas, which put it right in Wilson, Kansas, which is like population 14 people by Lake Wilson, basically 90 miles west of uh, the interchange of I-130, 135 and I-70. And I'm just like, you know, I lived there. I never saw a town of 90,000 people. Yeah. Also, 90,000 people in Kansas, not a town. Yeah, that would be a city. Yeah, big time. It would be like the third biggest city in the state. The other thing at this point in time, uh, Ma and Pa still run a grocery store. After the movie comes out, they are forever and for all time shall be farmers. Yes. So those are some things that kind of. So this is interesting in so many different ways. Not only the timing of this this issue in terms of the Superman movie, but also the fact that, man, they put a big call out in here that just months later would ha- probably have people over in uh, DC editorial scratching their head and going, well, I guess it's Kansas. Well, DC editorial moves slowly to accept these changes. Remember they never did identify whether it was Delaware or right. Maryland or Jersey. And yeah. I don't think they ever felt any particular need to. Yeah. 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 And of course, like I said, uh, it still was in Pennsylvania in, in some of the comics, uh, yep. As of 1984. So you've got that. But everyone yep. else knows it as Smallville, Kansas. 
Uh, so Superboy is flying to the future because it's the big wedding day between Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl, and he instantly arrives and finds out that uh, we've always been at war with East Asia. Yeah, it's terrifying because Legion headquarters is surrounded by massive cannons, and the science police have these freaky skull helmets. Know, right? You know something's something's wrong when either uh, you go to the future and everyone is uh, sporting uh, skulls on their helmets or Nazi insignia uh, swastikas on their armbands. You know something yeah. is not right. Something is very not right. And the science police attack Superboy, which you should never do. Uh, Superboy puts the smack down on them and then is immediately intercepted by his teammates who are all like, what's the password? And of course, he doesn't know that it's Swordfish. And Superboy realizes that something is very, very wrong with the future. And he can't convince anybody because obviously, if you go forward in, in time and the future has always been this way, the people of the present are not going to know that time shenanigans have gone on. So for them, as I said, they've always been at war with East Asia. And it takes uh, it finally takes a Brainiac five to come up and go, well, I do know some weird anomalies going on in the time stream, but we've got more pressing matters. Let's deal with this later. We all got a wedding to attend. (laughs) This also, by the way, is the issue where Grill for the first time and one of the few times draws the super naked costume of Princess Projectra with multiple cross bands tying it in the front rather than just one. Mm. And for me, that's the way I always remember the costume. Well, this is even you though said this was is one first... of the only places that it ever shows up. Like yeah, that. but this is the uh, the issue that you read for the first time, so that makes sense, yeah. right? It gets locked in, kind of like whatever is your your um, uh, first doctor is usually your favorite doctor, uh, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of ice cream you eat. That's usually your favorite ice cream, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, right. So yeah, that was doesn't it really surprise a great me. movie, or did you just see it when you were eight? Yeah, that's that's true too. <laughs> So, uh, big wedding, everybody's there, la la la. It's actually... Everybody, though? Everybody? Well, I mean, Mike Grell and um, uh, Paul Levitz are there. <laughs> yes, but Matter Eater Lad is not, Bouncing uh, Boy is not. Uh, so, but remember, Bouncing Boy is not technically a, m- a member of the Legion. Oh, wait, Bouncing Boy is there. He's there with the Legion of uh, Substitute Heroes. Yeah. Maya Maxima Culpa. Yeah, see? Because yeah. he's literally there. Yeah. Okay. Well, my copy is old. And and very yellowed. Yeah. Yeah. Just like your soul. Your mother. <laughs> so, anyway. you know, what's really amazing is there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of buildup about the wedding or anything. It's just basically a double page splash. Everybody there, them, uh, you know, holding hands and getting married with a big, uh, uh, person who's presiding back. over it. And then they run off and they're off on their honeymoon, at which point. Superboy's like, man, there's something really weird with your with the time stream, at which point pirates attack or Martians attack or somebody attacks. One of the one of the many war uh, worlds that they are at war with have come to try, uh, try to take Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl away. Lunarites attack, which presumes the that they're from the yeah. moon. Yeah, the so, Lunarites. Uh, man, the we're going to get to the we're going to get to the Lunarites any, uh, in a minute uh, <laughs> because, man, the Lunarites, you know, where the, you know where the Lunarites originated from. Lunar? No, they didn't. Their people came from China. And so for thousands of years, they have inhabited the moon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if if you know anything about comic books, Matthew. I know a few things about comic books, Stephen. But in 1978, Asians weren't very well depicted in the pages of comic books. 
representations of Asians were very lemon yellow uh, Mongol warriors. I mean, it's a step up from the 40s. Yes, but it's where they were very, represented as step. as uh, as what? monstrous buck tooth <laughs> nearsighted caricatures. Yes, horrific, yeah. horrific racial slurs, uh, as played by Vito Scotti in season one of uh, Gilligan's Island. You might remember. But, yeah, no, I remember that. Believe me, and that was also in the in the sixties too. So you know, uh, things things not so good uh, when it comes no. to the Lunarites. The interesting thing is, at this point, we have seen wildfire for a long time. Mm-hmm. Be kind of a, a kind of a pain in the behind and kind of a megalomaniac when it comes to his his presidency over the, the members of the Legion or as as they continually reference people in this issue who are in charge. Leader man. Leader man. Yeah. Now that he's the leader man of the Legion, he's um, how shall I put this delicately? A giant swinging phallus. Yeah, he's he's not a good guy, but. He's like, listen, we've got to go save our friends. And Superboy's like, no, we've got to travel to the past and figure out what is going on. Right. And he's and uh, Wildfire's like, listen, those of you who have souls will come with me. The rest of you heathens <laughs> will go time traveling into the past. In, in Wildfire's defense, it's actually Lightlass, whose twin brother has just been captured and possibly murdered, who mentions souls. Those of you who have oh, souls. Okay. There you go. But, so. I mean, not that wildfire isn't a giant prong in this issue, but it's actually an angry Ayla who makes that particular heartless remark. Uh, and of course, Superboy has no soul. He's from Krypton. Oh, yeah, because he's not really American. Right. Kryptons don't have souls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When so- George Washington was writing the Bible with Jesus in 1776. <laughs> so here's the amazing thing going on right now in the world of uh, 2020. Yes. China is actually going to the moon. Yes. Uh, The, 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 uh, the China Chang, I think it's called the Chang five moon uh, craft Mm -hmm. is starting an extended mission uh, to go to the moon and explore. And who knows doing what other things that they plan on doing. It started in 2019 and they've got probes and other things going up there. But I believe if I'm not mistaken, they are wanting to land a a uh, a man on the moon uh, sometime in the next two or three years. Nice. So uh, we but may not be too that, far off. We may not be too far off from them becoming the Lunarites. Yeah. If you believe that, Andy Kaufman would like to talk to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. This is this is literally seriously going on. Not not some. Uh, yeah, but if you believe they put a man on the moon, man oh, on the moon. Oh, I see. Uh huh. If you believe yeah. there's nothing out there. Asleep. So, so that's one interesting thing that's going on. The other thing is that <laughs> Superboy and a bunch of others jump into a time bubble and they travel back all the way to 1978. Yes, which presents its own problems. Uh, it does, and it doesn't, because I mean, 1978 is in Superboy's future, right? Ten and years so, in the future. So, when you travel backward or forward in time, apparently, you are prohibited. From accidentally running into yourself. And Not so merely f- prohibited, in fact, per the rules of DC Comics time travel circa the middle of the Bronze Age, had Superboy left the time bubble, he would actually turn into a phantom mm. who had no no corporeal form because he already exists in that time. And you cannot actually exist in a time frame where you already exist. It's kind of like Doctor Who's Blinovich limitation effect in that 
if you already are there and Superman is active in 1978, yes, of course. then you, you would not be, a, you wouldn't be corporeal. You'd just be like a floating, you know, head thing. Yeah. So once again, even though this book isn't called Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, uh, the Legion has figured out a way to sideline Superboy so that they can be the stars of the show. And Superboy has to hang out in his time bubble the entire time. Right. But it does work out for them in the long run because his time bubble can fly. Yeah. And it's invisible. You can fly around and invisibly watch people. Yeah. Which becomes especially useful after Karate Kid steals a 1977 Chrysler Cordoba <laughs> with the rich Corinthian leather seats and wrecks it. Yeah, there's I mean, some crazy stuff. Owns that convertible is now out seventeen thousand uh, dollars. Well, I don't think it's seventeen thousand dollars by nineteen seventy eight money. That was probably more like mm, four thousand dollars by nineteen seventy eight money, <laughs> which was still a lot. Uh, you could buy a house, remember, for like five thousand dollars in nineteen seventy two. So, uh, so in the past, they are trying to figure out. Why suddenly the United Nations has disbanded and it's because the United Nations disbanded that everybody started to become very warlike. So when the Lunarites went to the moon, they decided to, uh, you know, to set up their their encampment there. The uh, the Titans over at Saturn are, are attacking. The Martians are attacking. The the Venusians are attacking. All these people in far off space are attacking. No one is friendly towards one another. And it all has to do with something that happened in 1978 that caused the collapse of the United Nations. Now, I went back to look to see if there was any kind of talk about the United Nations being disbanded in the 1970s. Couldn't find anything about that. So this is Paul Levitz just kind of saying, oh, what would happen if, you know, the, the United uh, League of Nations, the United Nations was was broken up? Uh, what would happen? Such a 1970s concept to say that if the league, you know, if the United Nations weren't there keeping the peace, everything would immediately devolve into chaos. Yeah, I, I kind of love that. I mean, we saw something similar in the Batman movie in 1966, which was, you know, admittedly a dozen years earlier, but the loss of the United Nations in the 60s and 70s always seems to be a huge, you know, worldwide global crisis moment, and mm -hmm. I just. I love that in a way. And I also feel like it's one of those moments that you're just like, Oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> well, anyway, back on the moon, on the moon, uh, lightning lad and Saturn girl are able to escape. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, everything about their adventures from the moment they're getting married all the way to when they're crashed on the moon and waiting to uh, breathe their last breath. For whatever reason, this feels so much like Buck Rogers to me, even though that movie doesn't come out for another year until 1979. For those of you that have seen that original Buck Rogers movie where everyone is disco and space pirate pants and all that kind of stuff. There's something about this portion of the story that just makes me go, wow, this feels very Buck Rogers like. I think part of it is the fact that Imra's wedding gown is this super, super disco thing with a cape and huge bell bottoms and like a headdress, very, you know, Dave Cockrumy, very 1977. But it also does have moments where they're like, we're going to pull the ship out at the last second. And oh my gosh, we're running out of air. And I know I'll use my lightning powers to commit heroic suicide, <laughs> uh, which, you know, for kids, you know, that's, um, that's what you do. Uh, yeah, you're about really, to die really in space like that. or, you know, what it always kind of reminds me of is a slightly less campy flash Gordon, which mm. would have come out in roughly the same time period. And all of the things that we see here feel like throwbacks to thirties pulp adventure yeah. and space, space quackiness. Yeah. 
in Flash an Gordon, 80s way. You know? Flash Gordon would still be a few years away. It doesn't come out until seven or until 1980. Right. So, yeah, it's just there's something weird about this whole scene. But uh, at the very last minute before Lightning Lad is able to uh, send the ultimate pulse to their ultimate brains, uh, they're rescued. And they're rescued because why again? Because... Garth's twin sister, Ayla, no longer has electrical powers, but according to Cosmic Boy, she has the same electromagnetic properties as her twin brother. And if you run a a, a magnet between two electric poles, you can pinpoint their location, triangulation. You can turn a red-haired girl blonde. I guess, and that's how they, they narrow it down where they're at on the crash planet, and they save them at the last minute. Hooray! Meanwhile, in 1978... They figure out the who the man is that's wrecking the United Nations. I'll give you a hint. What's that? It rhymes with the slime crapper. Oh, I didn't know they wrote you into a comic, Matthew. I will <laughs> hang up this call. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? Uh, here's the weird thing about the whole uh, the whole moon thing. There's this whole thing where the Lunarites are about to attack. Anyway, we defeated them. Like, literally the next panel. It's like <laughs> in the middle of a fight, and it's like, anyway, we defeated them. Lunarites are not up to the full power of the Legion of Superheroes. Um, This is not the only time that they do that in this issue. Well, I mean, the fights aren't really the point of this issue. Colossal Boy slam-dunked one of their ships, and it was over, you know? I, I guess. Meanwhile, the Time Trapper shows up. The Time He's Trapper, like, Matthew. The Time Trapper, first seen in Adventure Comics number 317, uh, best known for being a man in a fuchsia bedsheet. Yeah, anyway, here's how this uh, plot of the story goes. We must find out who's involved in this plot. Anyway, we found out who it was. It's the Time and Trapper, then, everybody. And then everybody comes back to the 30th century, and they all hold a meeting. Uh, and it's one of the coolest uh, Last Suppers ever. With 27 superheroes sitting around and Superboy doing big arms. We can't all do big arms because we'll look like a squadron of Spitfires. But the entire Legion of Superheroes sit down for a formal debate. Well, and the cool thing is, once everybody gets back together, uh, once they leave the site of the World's Fair, the 1964 World's Fair, where the Time Trapper is at. Right. um, Because why not? Well, yeah, and the Time Trapper escapes, just so you know. There's a little bit of push and shoving and name calling and whatnot and, and your mama jokes. And then the time you're trapper a escapes. Head. Well, you're a fuchsia bedsheet. But they don't know where he is. And so that's why they all get together. And finally, when they're all together, that's when Wildfire and everyone that was on Team Go Rescue Our Friends finally are like, yeah, you know what? There is something really weird going on. Okay, Superboy, we believe you. There's something wrong with the time stream. We've got to fix this. We've got to stop the time trapper. But where, where, where could he be? He could be in the future. So what's interesting is they find out that he is holed up in this citadel at the very end of time. Behind the Iron Curtain of Time. Yeah. Now, this is this is really amazing because for years we have seen that Iron Curtain of Time. We don't know why they've never been able to penetrate that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think this is the first appearance at the the fortress or the citadel or whatever it is at the end of time, because this is something that gets used again and again and again and again. Uh, the um, uh, Booster Gold's um, Wave Rider group. Uh, the Linear Men. The Linear Men hang out there. Yep. And we have seen this, I believe, in the uh, Legends of Tomorrow. 
I believe uh, they or, are at the Citadel. Of it, yes. Yeah, at the end of time. So is this the first time that we have seen this? This is the first time that I can find any mention of it. I know that we, you know, even his very first appearance, they talked about the Iron Curtain. But remember, at that time, the Time Trapper couldn't break through the Iron Curtain except in special circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I think this is the first time anyone has traveled past the Iron Curtain of Time and actually found the fortress. If I'm wrong, people will tell us. They're yeah. out there right now. They're writing the emails. And if you know who we're talking about, you know we mean you. Absolutely correct us. But I could not find anything in my rundown of Time Trapper appearances. Which I find this very fascinating because, like I said, the Citadel at the end of time is something that is used again and again and again. Grant Morrison used it uh, quite a bit in uh, many of his big multiverse uh, adventures. Uh, Like I said, we've seen it uh, when Batman died and he had to go to the end of time and he starts walking backwards through time. Uh, It is it is all over the place. Um, probably late nineties onward uh, again and again and again. So this is, this I think is kind of cool. The other thing we find out about the time trapper is who he is under that, that big hood of his. We find out who he is this time. He is a renegade controller. You remember the controllers, right? I do remember the controllers. There was this whole, if I remember correctly, there was a whole issue where the controllers come and say, we have this machine we need you to control and protect. It's called the Miracle Machine, and you guys need to protect it at all costs. And they're like, yes, we shall protect it. And then they discovered that it was, uh, maybe you got to be careful what you wish for, because it's always on and always thinking. So they uh, sealed it up in some inertron, and then it took a millennium. It took all of time for the Time Trapper to figure out how to open up that that metal casing and now he has a miracle machine too he has the miracle machine but remember there was also a controller who had control of the sun eater that killed pharaoh lad uh this is not that controller and eventually we'll find out things about this controller but this controller is not the benevolent happy happy person that we expected he's a big jerk face and he was thrown out of his people. And now he's going to use the miracle machine to wish the Legion of superheroes dead. Yeah. And so remember the miracle machine works by all you have to do is make a wish. And so he's like, ah, I will wish you all gone and dead. And he starts wishing and wishing and wishing. And then Superboy gets this idea that no, wait, if we all start thinking the same thought, our thoughts will be more powerful than his. So come on, everybody let's think happy thoughts. And that's that's how what people was formed. Clap for Superboy. And the really great part about it is it kind of almost makes sense that the will of 25 superheroes Mm -hmm. bolstered by the telepathic powers of Saturn Girl would override some bald schmuck from planet Econotron 7. Yes. And then and this also then makes sense later on, because, again, going back to Grant Morrison and I forget which event that he was doing where it's like they're at the end of time and Superman is like, the only way we're going to be able to defeat Darkseid is by everybody singing. And so he yes. sings a note that saves the universe. That's Final Crisis. Ah, Final Crisis. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, it feels very much like you can see where Grant Morrison is getting his inspiration from in Limited Collector's Edition C-55, The Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> anyway, that's how they save the day. And what's really, really... Uh, just awful about this issue. There are a few things about this issue. I wouldn't say this issue is awful. No, I didn't say this issue is awful, but the awful thing about this issue is that the entire active Legion appears, including Tyrock, who gets two lines and is chosen to stay behind at Legion headquarters, not once, but twice. 
and never gets to do a dang thing. He got a monitor everything. He's the brand new guy. He should be the shiny new. Eh, I mean, Dawnstar came after him and she's got a lot more to do in this issue than he does. Exactly. Dawnstar has powers that people understand. Uh, Rond Vidar gets more to do in this issue than Tyrock, and he's only an honorary legionnaire and Little Lord Fauntleroy impersonator. Yeah, he also gets to stay behind and, and do monitor duty, which I thought was really weird. But he doesn't have superpowers, so it doesn't bother me. Well, but I don't you understand know, why he was, you know, if he's only a honorary legionnaire, very much like, right. uh, 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 not Jimmy Olsen. Well, Jimmy Olsen's an yeah, honorary. Jimmy Olsen is. And Pete Ross and, and Lana. Lana Lang. And why are they like, never allowed to do any of that stuff, yet Yet Rond is totally okay with being on monitor duty? And if that's the case, well, why don't they just make a whole bunch of honorary uh, uh, legion members and have them do monitor duty all the time? Right. Why don't you bring in your retired members like Matter Eater Lad and Bouncing Boy to serve monitor duty? Yeah. But, you know, I think what it really comes down to is the fact that uh, nobody liked Tyrock. And they treated Tyrock poorly. And, you know, the fact that he had to stay behind when Rond was there just really feels bad. Because as we mentioned, he is the first Black Legionnaire. Right. And they just, they sweep him off. I mean, I remember wondering what his deal was. And uh, in this issue, actually, in the back of this issue, when you get into the Who's Who pages, the coolest picture of Tyrock ever drawn (laughs) is in this issue. I think, isn't that from his, isn't that from his first appearance though? That image? That is actually a James Sherman image. All of these who who pieces, who's he who's he pieces are James Sherman images, new images of the Legionnaires. But yeah, there is nothing quite like that. And nobody ever makes the costume look as cool as this ever again. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, if you go on the internet and you look for pictures of Tyrock, you're going to find this picture. It's the picture of him with his arms back screaming. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a great picture. Don't get me wrong, but it's like the only time that Tyrock ever looked cool. I think the, again, this issue is, and we're fighting him and we're fighting him and we're all making these wishes. And then the real controllers show up and they take him away. The end, we win. Mm -hmm. And then now, and I really, the way it ended, I was like, okay, I expect some kind of a resolution, some kind of a, everybody's sitting around having wedding cake. Everybody's, you know, uh, doing a hostess uh, cupcake ads or something in this, but no, it just ends just like that. And then the very next page is, here's the hidden history of the Legion again. And we get like uh, we get bios and all that stuff. And it just kind of it just kind of ends with nothing. Well, and remember, this is a big, giant trade. This is basically a giant yeah, special edition. It doesn't necessarily need an epilogue because it's designed to be done in one. And remember, in 78, they're still writing for young kids, not necessarily six, but 12 to 15. And I kind of like the fact that it just ends and they're like, okay, Superboy and Wildfire, shake and make hands, you know, Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl go off on their honeymoon, ha ha ha. Now let's learn about this team that you just spent $1.50 to actually read, you know, when comics are 60 cents. Yeah. Um, And that's it. And that's the way it was. 1978, well, March. There are a couple of things here that I think are interesting. The Secrets of the Legion features what I believe is the first real explanation of how the Legion transsuits, the transparent spacesuits work. Mm. We actually yeah, they have the whole Saturn thing on Girl. all the little g- gadgets and gizmos that they have. Yeah, we see Saturn Girl actually putting one on in super sexy mode. Oh, my word. 
it's inappropriate, you guys. Uh, we have a picture of a Legion cruiser, which is not the Legion cruiser seen in this issue. The telepathic plugs that the Legion uses to communicate in space that we've heard about a couple of times. You may remember them actually defeating somebody with a telepathic plug, I believe, at one point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, the Legion flight ring. There's a lot of good information in these back pages. And it's the point where I first, you know, found out about the Legion first place that I ever heard of Pharaoh lad. Uh, and I probably went 15 years without knowing any more about Pharaoh lad than, you know, the statue in the back of this issue. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good place to come into the Legion because it's the place where I came into the Legion when I was, you know, eight or nine years old. I still have the copy of this book that my cousin had as well as some copies that I bought for my person. I have a reading copy, and then I have a collecty-collecty copy. But this book is something special in good ways and bad, because you're right. It does just sort of end, and it does have several points where were this three regular Legion issues, we'd get or we'd hope to get more in-depth you know, character moments or more explanation or more mm-hmm. – you know, plotting that actually was well, overarching and went somewhere. Probably part of the reason for that is you have to get 25 plus Legion members yeah. in this issue and they have to do something, even if it's like, ah, shucks, man, I've got to do monitor duty. Right. Or um, I've got to learn how to drive a Chrysler Cordoba. Yeah. Which I'm sure he does from his time before that he was in. Go see Karate Kid issues one through 12. But don't. Just, but just so don't from that standpoint, I can see, let's give you something that's biff bam pow exciting from cover to cover and here's all the information about all these people that you just read about isn't this exciting kids come back next week for the legion of superheroes and superboy um now only 60 cents and we're only going to feature like three or four of them at a time so i can see that this is a big important issue not only because we're losing two of the founding members due to marriage and apparently that's been outlawed if you're a legion member um and then um, and then, of course, it's it's a big supersized celebration of 20 years, which is a big deal. You've got some fantastic art, some OK story. You get to learn more about the Time Trapper again. Time Trapper, as of this incarnation, he will he will be changed many, many times the, in the future. This is the pre-crisis Time Trapper. Yeah. And it won't actually be too long before we find out some things. Yeah, but. we'll find out he's a Durlin eventually. So, you know, everybody's a Durlin. Yeah, everybody's a Durlin. Everyone is Kang the Conqueror. Anyway, uh, so for me, this is a this is a fascinating issue. It is a kind of a glimpse at what big events were, big event comics were uh, in in this time period. Uh, it's also a fascinating look at this type of a promotion. Like I mentioned earlier, the Muhammad Ali Superman fight is the very next issue out of this. Uh, so that makes a is also kind of a big deal. So as much. Trouble, as Matthew says, talking about this, this comic is online. Um, It really is an important issue. And if you can get your hands on a copy or if you can go find uh, a digital copy over in Comixology or on uh, the DC uh, Universe site, I say it's worth picking up and reading. Uh, And I suppose if you're a fan of it like Matthew is, you probably have like 50 copies uh, squirreled away somewhere. And that's cool, too. Is there anything, I mean, the biggest thing that comes out of this that is changing for the book going forward is mm-hmm. Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl, but even that's not going to last for very long. Well, that lasts forever. They're always married forever and ever. No, I know, but they're still members of the Legion. Yes, they come back in like 12 or 15 issues. Yeah, so it's not going to be that long. 
Well, not really. I think the biggest part of, of this issue for me is just you get to a point where you get to that first opening splash of 25 heroes going, yatata, holy moly, what's going on here? So this could be one of those books that's incredibly overwhelming for you as a first-time reader. Or, as it was for me, it could be one of those books that, hey, I want to know everything about all of these schmucks, especially the pretty, pretty powder blue one who's practically naked. Um, but yeah, you get to a point in this issue where there are things you can nitpick. There are things you can complain about. There are problems. But all in all, it feels like a big celebratory issue. It mm -hmm. feels like a triple-sized story worthy of the big, giant thing. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the recent Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes trade paperbacks have reprinted this story in its chronological place for the first time. I know at least that one of those trade paperbacks has uh, this cover, mm -hmm. that killer Star Wars-looking cover, that big grill fighty-fighty. It has that where they're beating up on all of the Moon Knights. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I think that it, if you can get a hold of that, you're going to get the same thing. Getting a hold of that is going to be a lot cheaper, a lot simpler, and honestly, a lot easier on your face than trying to track down this actual thing because the tabloid sized books are just a titanic pain to store to find to buy to sell to have to live to love anyway sorry i had a had a moment there sometimes a verb is what's happening but i recommend this issue yes the end oh wait sorry that's a different show <laughs> We have come to the end of another Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for checking us out this week. Matthew, what did we learn? We learned that Mike Grell has the facial hair that he keeps giving to his characters. I think we also learned that as long as you have hope, there's no need to kill yourself in space. And we learned that that's one crowded time bubble. Thank you so much, everyone. We will be back next time for another Legion Clubhouse. Until then, I am the best man. And I'm Married Man. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2010. Major Spoilers is copyright 2011. Major Spoilers is copyright 2012. Major Spoilers is copyright 2013. Major Spoilers is copyright 2014. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2019 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.
This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.